Let us get going. So uh, we're continuing on in uh, in Bovavi. We're going to be learning the 13th parak. Uh, last week we wrapped up the 12th parak. That led us on to the uh, topic of tefillah and how tefillah really is the receptacle for all bracha. Uh, that e- even if the Rebbein sends us something, if it doesn't come in the way of tefillah, then whatever sent to us, even if it seems to be a bracha, is not necessarily... So, but something that comes with with uh, through tefillah, through davening, every mitzvah and every uh, every bracha, blessing that comes into a person's life through tefillah, that's that's going to be something that we can really uh, we we can really hold on to. So, the um, the the next parak parak Gimel, continues to discuss this topic of tefillah. It's a, a beautiful, beautiful uh, ideas over here. And the parak begins by explaining that tefillah is really a, like we, we say, shivchi kamayim libech, it's really a, a pouring out of the heart, okay? So it, it's something that's, a, that's a, a deep relationship, it's a deep relationship, but it doesn't mean throughout the day your heart has to be poured out like in, in sadness and yearning. Very often, like we've been learning, tefillah means that you speak to Hashem as if He's our literally our friend, as if He's He's mamish one with us and, and right there. So the, the same way we see other people in the room with us, the same way we see other items in the room with us, so to Hashem even more so. And then we express that uh, we express that through tefillah, and we we talk to Hashem the same way we would speak to. Our, uh, our family members, and we're as certain that they're hearing us when we speak to them, so too it has to be with, uh, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So that's the introduction to the uh, 13th parak. We're going to pick up a few paragraphs into the, uh, into the parak, where the title is, which is, I walk before Hashem, in the land of the living. So now, Tefillah is very broad. Prayer is very broad. There's 10 specific lashonos, 10 specific expressions of prayer. And we're going to focus on one specifically, which is called tse'aka, which is called crying out. Achas me'asara l'shoyne shal tefillah, one of the 10 expressions of, of prayer is tse'aka. Tse'ak libam el Hashem. Their heart cried out to Hashem. Called out, it was loud, now, let's give a, let's give an example. When do people call out? When do we cry out? In other words, when are we shouting to, to other people? So there's two possibilities why we shout. Number one, if I want to talk to you, and you're ignoring me, so I try talking to you, or you're trying to talk to me, and I'm ignoring you. Because I'm simply not interested in hearing what you have to say. As the matter moves along, the patience uh, of the one trying to get my attention begins to wane. And you start to shout. Like, hello, Tendler, what's your problem? Right? What's your deal? Why are you ignoring me? One reason of shouting is because the person is simply ignoring you. Now, who lights elav? In that case, is there? You're not shouting. 
Elav, like add him. Ella Olav, you're shedding on him. What does it mean? Sheyakshil the Dvarav. You're like, hello, can you start listening? <laughs> right? And start showing some respect. I'm trying to talk to you. That's one type of shouting that we find amongst people. Again, why am I shouting? Because there's no other way to get your attention. You're making me lose my patience over here. There's another type of shouting, crying out. Which is, Adam Nimtza Bekitsei Echad Shal I'm on one side of the street. You're on the other side of the street. I really need need to tell you something. And I know. If I don't shout across the street. Yeah, my friend's going to get on the bus. Go on his way. And then there's no way for me to to, uh, to reach you. And uh, and make my request or to take care of whatever needed to be taken care of. So I'm calling out loud the guy, the other guy's name, and I and you say, wait a minute, I need to talk to you. So why Kalimar, why am I shouting? This type of shouting, I'm not shouting because I'm upset and you're ignoring. I'm shouting because you simply wouldn't be able to hear me if I whisper. And therefore, I need to speak out loud. Okay. So we would all agree those are two reasons why a person would come to shouting. Either the person will be right next to you, but they're just not listening out of frustration. So they're not listening, and now I'm frustrated. I'm going to shout at you. I don't care if you're right next to me. Another reason to shout is the person actually can't hear me unless I talk loud. Okay. So now let's think for a minute. One of the styles, one of the paths of davening is called crying out, shouting. Tsa'aka. So now where does this come in? Atan is binding. Let's think about this. When we speak to the Holy One, blessed is He. Where does shouting when we daven, where does crying out, where, where does this come from? The first approach, the first kind of shouting, which is frustration that Hashem is not listening. That's an impossibility when it comes to Hashem hears everybody's davening. Hashem hears everybody's prayers. Hakadosh Baruch Hu Shemeya Kol Yehudi. Hakadosh Baruch Hu hears every Jew. And it's very clear in the Sfarim. Shehu Gam Nana. Hakadosh Baruch Hu responds to our tefillahs. A real tefillah Hashem responds to. So there's no such thing as I have to shout out loud because I'm frustrated that otherwise Hashem's not going to hear me. Rakshalay Tamer Adaber Nirabiz Galus. Hashem's always listening. Sometimes it's just not revealed what the answer is or what the actual uh, what the actual response is. Achbar lamala mi kol but we have above any shadow of doubt. Hashem's hearing our prayers. What the answer is is another story, but Hashem's hearing us, so we don't need to shout because Hashem's ignoring us. God forbid. You don't need to shout because of this. Hashem is constantly listening. Hakadosh Baruch Hu is, uh, has absolute knowledge of everything that uh, that I'm saying. And if one thinks you need to shout at Hashem, 
that shows that you have a complete lack of amuna and a completely lack of understanding. Zehu chisarim ba'amuna u'bahavana, and you're lacking understanding. Mahu abayis barach what the Rebbeinu Shalom is. So the the reason to shout out of Hashem not listening to our tefillas is an impossibility. And notice, tsa'aka again is a legitimate style, shouting out. So it, it can't be the first way. So let's go to the second way. What about the second way? What's another reason why I'm shouting? Not because I'm frustrated that somebody's not listening. Somebody's really far away. They're across the street. And if I don't shout, they're not going to hear me. The person is, is quite a ways from me. I'm nervous. I, I suspect maybe if I don't shout, I might lose this opportunity to talk to him. If I whisper, Maybe this is the type of tefillah. What would you say? Type of tefillah like that? Of course, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe uh, if we don't say it out loud, maybe, you know, we're not going to get a response. Again, not out of frustration. Maybe we're not going to get a response. Hashem just wants me to shout out loud. Hare Gemara. The problem is the Gemara and daf brachas, daf lamed alef, amed alef, 31 a.m. brachas. Lamdu chazal mitfilas chana. Chazal learned out the well-known story of chana when she came to the Mishkan, when she came to Eli, and she came to Davin. So we, all of the halachas of tefillah are learned out from Chana, the Gemara tells us. We learn out kama halachas, many halachas. And amongst the halachas that we learned by her davening was, v'kayla lo yishama. She was whispering the words but no, to herself, but nobody else was able to hear. Only she could hear. Mikan says the Gemara. You learn from here. You're not allowed to shout your davening out loud, and this is referring specifically, says the Bovabi to explain. This is why by Shmaina Esrei we have to daven quietly. How quiet? Quiet enough that I can hear myself. My own ears are whispered to myself, but not loud enough that somebody else can hear it. This is learned out from the way that Chana, with her powerful tefillah, davened. However, it's interesting. We don't find you need to whisper the other parts of tefillah. Only Shmona Esrei needs to be whispered. You don't find other parts of tefillah need to be whispered. In Meniyam and Adin, there's really no issue. Laharam Esakayel, to shout your davening, and to daven, uh, daven as loud as you want. So now we have to understand why. Why is it? Isn't it interesting that during Shmon we stand up and we're whispering silently? Everything's quiet and it has to be silence. But when it comes to other parts of davening, there's no issue whatsoever. You could daven, uh, you could daven out loud. What's the reason for this? The, the simplest way to explain this is that without getting into anything deep specifically is Shmona Esrei is the definition of a private meeting of somebody with their friend. When a person's in a state of being in the presence of Hashem, He's conversing 
He's right with Hashem. It's as if you're in a private meeting, at one place, and, and over there, you don't need to cry out. Okay? So what Bavavi is saying is that really, the only, just on a surface level, and in a simple way, in a true way, the reason why we whisper by is because by we actually realize how close we are it's a private meeting. So I'm mamish with HaKadosh Baruch But other parts of davening, however, people don't have that same mindset as we do by Shmona Esrei. And therefore, by other things, we feel Hashem's a little further. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's rachuk. We feel Hashem's a little further. And Mamela, and therefore, yesh non It makes sense why people shout. It makes sense why people uh, feel the, the, the need to shout. But the truth is, says Bovavi, the MS is, that if a person realizes that Hashem is mamish like a Bnei Besa, is mamish like a household member of us, so we know the same way when a household member is nearby, there's no need to scream. So too, we don't need to get on a megaphone or a microphone when I talk to Hashem and I can speak to Hashem uh, calmly and gently. Eitzelan she Ninveh, you know, when it comes to the people of Ninveh who are non-Jewish, city that ended up doing tshuva, Kosov, it says, they called out to Hashem with force. Now, what's the meaning over there? So the Kotzker Rebbe, the Yomar Al-Kacha, Admor Mi Kotzk, Zuhusa Yagin Aleinu, the Kotzker Rebbe explains, you know why the people of Ninveh cried out? It, it was a prayer that was answered, there's no question. However, She'achin Kachi Nireman She Ninveh, this is how the people of Ninveh understood our relationship with Hashem. They were Anoshim Migushamim. They were people who lived in a physical realm. And they, they say, listen, God's not mamish with me. And therefore, there's a need to cry out. Avol Yehudi, but a Yid. Shehuzach va'adin nefesh, But a Yid who's pure and has a sensitive soul. And realizes, Yedea knows, Shenitin l'chayais b'mahalich shonech b'nei Hashem. That I can always live in a state where I'm in the presence of Hashem, and my speech to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, doesn't need to be with force. I could speak the same way I speak with my friend. And this is what we mean, this is what we mean, that I'm, I place Hashem in my presence, uh, you know, always, because I'm, I'm sensing deep down in my neshama that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is nearby. So this is incredible. Tza'aka, as, a, as a, a way of tefillah, really wouldn't, is necessary when I'm feeling distanced. When I'm feeling distanced, I have tza'aka. When a person's, and, and it's, again, it's a, it's a type of tefillah we're supposed to use when we have that feeling. There are times when we do feel distanced. But notice, he says, obviously, I'm feeling distance when I am davening in a way of tza'aka, in a way of crying out and shouting. Because if I knew HaKadosh Baruch Hu's mom is with me, the two rational reasons why we shout, A, the person's right near me but not listening, or B, the person's too far away, don't apply. And therefore, what would bring a person to, uh, what's going to bring a person to end up, uh, to end up shouting? And therefore he says, this is really the goal. Yeah, the, the goal is to, as we learned in the last parak, the goal in the last parak 
is zuhi ashiifa vizuhi amatara. This is the this is the the crowning gem of what we're trying to do when it comes to prayer. The chayyisim akadosh baruch hu gamkan by lamaza to live with akadosh baruch hu here in in this world. As halich lefnei Hashem baratzachayim, I want to walk in front of Hashem in the land of the living. See, some people wait to walk with Hashem in Adam Haba. We say, as halech lefnei Hashem, I walk in front of Hashem ba'artzachayim, in the land of the living. Kasher zoich adam liyaz davak b'kadosh baruch hu, when a person has the merit of being davak, of being uh, clinging to Hakadosh baruch hu. Vat matzikim Hashem lekechem chaim kocham ayim, as we as we learned previously. Yeah, we should we should cling to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Chayim, your life, Kulchem, the entire life, Hayoyim. Today, this should constantly happen. So then, we'll have the merit of His Halich Lefnei Hashem Ba'artzes Hachayim, even in uh, even in uh, this world. Okay. Now, this approach is a is a segue that we've been learning previously. Previously, we were learning how. Tfila is needed to become a receptacle. And now we're starting to get into tefillah itself. When it comes to prayer itself, how to utilize it. There's ways of tefillah, but the, the ultimate goal of tefillah really is to constantly be walking with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And like Bovavi has taught us previously, tefillah is not in the sitter per se. Tefillah is my expression and my articulation of words as I talk to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Uh, as I talk to Akadosh Baruch Hu throughout my day. Okay. Says Bovavi, let me tell you, let me tell you a story. I'll tell you a story that's very much connected to this. He says, Pam, there, there was a time, it once happened. Nichnas ala chazan ish, Yehudi imnalayim kuruas. A yid walked into the chazan ish with torn, uh, with torn shoes. The Chazanish asked him, Why don't you buy new shoes? So the Yid says, Because I don't have enough money to buy shoes. So the Chazanish asked him, Did you already ask Hashem that you should have money to buy shoes? The Yid says, No. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to ask Hashem for new shoes. It's not respectful to be busy with that. It's not respectful. I could live without new shoes. It's not respectful to, to ask Hashem for, for new shoes. I could, I could do without it. I need to ask for that. Okay, so. <laughs> Fine. Shows the uh, culture in B'nai Brak, you know, the, the, the lack of needing anything. But listen to this. The Chazanish says to this Yid, you should know. Your behavior, your approach, is not coming from a place of holy fear of Hashem. It's not stemming from a place of holiness. Really, you're just afraid of being embarrassed. Now, what does this mean? There's simply, if, if you feel that asking for a pair of shoes is not respectful of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, 
that to bring that into your conversation, that means there's a lack of relationship in your conversation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Why? In Margish, if you would really know and feel and live, Shakadish Baruch Hu Avicha, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Mamish, our, our father, our creator, our parent. He literally is. Rabban Shalom is literally our parent. Where else did we come from? You're in Neshama. Where'd you come from? You come from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Where'd I come from? I come from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If we, if we would truly know who our parent is, and Hashem is literally with us at our side, you wouldn't be embarrassed. You ever heard of such a thing? When you were a kid, when your, and your, your uh, shoes got torn, you weren't embarrassed to tell your parents you need new shoes. Now, if you knew that you, your parents didn't have enough money and they would be embarrassed, okay. Then maybe I could hear you have a hesitation. Your parents got plenty of money to buy your shoes. There's no struggle. You're not going to tell your parents you need shoes? You're not going to ask for it? Yeah, of course not. Well, what does this mean? The kach, and therefore, see a machazanish, vaimar hayad Hashem tiktzar, is the hand of Hashem limited, is the hand of Hashem short. Eitzakalish brachu vaday shein machzar, the brachu loaded. He's got everything, and he's your maker, he's your parent. Kisha adam zacha, when a person has the schus, vuhu margish nitzav liyoday, and he feels Hashem is mamish next to him, is mamish near him, is with him, who mispalel al kol prat uprat mechayev. We will get into every last detail. Baruch Hashem, I have a headache. Kaddish Baruch Hu, I, you know, uh, my, my eye's bothering me. Too much crust on the eye. Same thing you would tell your sister. Same thing you'd tell your mother. Same thing you'd tell your father. If, if we realize the privilege, we would mention and daven for every last detail. Even the, even the smallest one. Even the smallest things. Called Zois Lama. Why? Why is this? Why would we do this? Because in the, the true depth of the matter, if you want to go, if you want to take this even deeper, it says Bovavi, listen, who made you need shoes? What are you embarrassed for? Who, who's causing you to need shoes? You think your shoes tore on their own? And why don't you have enough money to buy new shoes? The same HaKadosh Baruch you're going to ask for new shoes is the same one that's causing you to need new shoes and the same one that's responsible to give you money to get those new shoes. Adam, ze konas alayim halalu. Yeah? This is... Vehinech ziku etzleishan. You bought shoes and you had them for a year. As long as the shoes were needed to give you usage. didn't The moment it was decreed from Shemayim that the, the, the mission of these shoes are done. HaKadosh Baruch Hu tore them. Nimtza, Imkain, it's coming out. Since HaKadosh Baruch Hu is involved in every last detail of the world, the same one that's caused your, your shoes to rip, 
who bury Eilam Mamish bechvayda v'atzma is there a bunch of them who caused it to rip? He tore them. She so go back to one who tore. He said, "Because broke, I know you everything. You want them torn? It must be. You want me to have a new pair of shoes? No, I need a new pair of shoes, please." Shkoy, right? Legabi beis hamikdash, and we'll end off with this. It says when it comes to the beis hamikdash, matzinu we find in the Gemara, bavakama kiseitze eshu matzakaitzim, and a fire goes out and it finds fuel to keep burning. Yeah. Teitze me'atzma, fire goes by itself. Shalim, yishalim, amavasabir, the original lighter of the fire has to pay. What does this mean? Listen to this, this is precious. Omar HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Alai l'shalim, asabir, shevrati. I'm the one who has to pay for the fire that destroyed the Beis HaMikdash because I'm the one who allowed it to be lit in the first place. Shenemar, um, as it says, v'yotza eish b'tziyon, a fire went forth from tziyama teichal yisaitis el, and it consumed the uh, the yisaitis, the foundations. Vani also lived nice space. Says the Rebbeinu I'm going to build it with fire as well. Shenemar vani ayala choymas eish shavit v'lichvayd ayah b'seicha. Yeah, so I allowed the fire to be lit and destroyed the foundations and. Hakadosh um, Baruch says, "I'm going to be a surrounding fire for Tzion, and the glory in the middle of Tzion, referring to the when Beis is going to be rebuilt. Which means Kishadam Makir Bekach, when we recognize Shemisha Hechrib Hasab Beis Hamikdash, who Rebbeinu did the anti-Semites destroy the Beis Hamikdash? No. Who destroyed the Beis Hamikdash? Hakadosh Baruch allowed it. Now it doesn't excuse what these Rishon did." But you can't do anything. You can't lift the finger without the Rabbani Shalom. Says Rabbani Shalom, I caused the Beis HaMikdash to be destroyed. And therefore I take Achrayis. I'm going to take the bill. I'm going to foot the bill. And you come to me and ask, you, should, you should be coming to me and asking me, Rabbani Shalom, you destroyed the Beis HaMikdash. Please go and uh, please go and rebuild it. And as we're going to continue on learning, Vavavi is going to tell us that it's not, the Beis HaMikdash is just symbolic of everything that every last detail, not only the important things, but every last detail that goes on in our lives. Whenever there's a tzara, whenever there's a struggle, whenever there's something we're going through, Hakadosh Baruch Hu allowed it to happen, no matter how big, no matter how small. And therefore, with everything, we have a right and a reason to take it and come back in tefillah to respond immediately. Say, Shalom, you caused this to happen. Please, uh, you caused my shoes to rip. Please, I need new shoes. And th- this mistake of the Yid who came to the Chazanish and he says, oh, it's disrespectful. Chas v'sholem. Now, how do you get to this? How do you get to this madrega? How do, you, how do we get there? From the first step that we said beginning of tonight. Nothing's disrespectful when you're talking to somebody like a family member. You say you need new shoes. Something's there. And this all is a hemshech, is a continuation of various Limudim uh, and various ways that we should be taking these ideas that we've been that we've been learning over the last few weeks to to a couple of months, and finding new avenues in our personal lives, and how to instill this closeness and this feeling of this hergish, the, the understanding that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is mamish with us bechol esu bechol at every uh, at every moment, and he's always available. For us to be asking for, no detail is too small in the relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu because he's the one who created every last detail. Okay, we'll hold it here for this evening and we'll take any uh, questions or, or thoughts for a conversation.